and welcome to the last night of our Grail Quest. I'm Gemma. And I'm Emily. Now we've reached the final night in our quest. On the first night we looked at the early origins of the Grail and how the Grail changed from a, a pagan to a Christian symbol. The second night we looked at the idea that the Grail was actually a bloodline created by the marriage between Jesus and Mary Magdalene, as well as looking at the Templars as Grail protectors and a secret society known as the Priory of Sion. And last night we looked at possible locations of the Grail. So as a bit of a roundup tonight, we are going to share the results of some of the social media polls that we've been running over the last week that you may have seen pop up on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And just in case you're not already following us on social media, we're going to pop our social media handles in the description box. So a while back, we asked what you thought the Holy Grail was. And overwhelmingly, people voted for it being a cup, which I have to agree with. Yeah, I think I want it to be a bloodline just because of the drama. I think all like the pop culture that kind of comes with it the idea of it be- being this bloodline and this massive secret i sometimes wonder if there would be a divide like if you were to ask people who grew up on the da vinci code mm. what the grail was they might be more inclined to say bloodline but then like my generation who grew up on monty python and indiana jones we grew up with it being a cup even in pop culture yeah so I wonder if that has an impact. Well, I mean, it must have an impact on what we believe. Yeah. I think, I think the thing to consider, though, is that if we believe that Jesus and Mary Magdalene were a couple, more than likely they did have children. It would have made sense. You know, that, that is what marriage was meant to be for. It wasn't just, you know, how marriage is today is very different. You know, people got married for the kind of the sole purpose of you know, having a family. So the likelihood is that there was some form of bloodline, but I don't think that is necessarily what the grail is. I know what you mean. I just don't see it being that miraculous married couple have children. From a a religious standpoint, if I guess if a bloodline was to appear, it would obviously completely undo all of their teachings. Yeah. But we do love some messy drama, so. Exactly. Okay, so the second poll that we ran was to ask whether or not people thought that King Arthur actually existed. And overwhelmingly, again, about 80% of people agreed that he was real. That's fair, because he probably was. Or rather, several people's stories were put together to make the King Arthur figure. But historically, they found him in records. Yeah. I think what trips, trips people up is thinking that he would have been like, he is in pop culture in, in mm. you know this big stone castle with a shiny armor whereas it would have been a Motton bailey castle leather armor lots of rain and mud yeah probably a lot less chivalrous than uh how it's painted to be romantically quite probably more blood and guts more angry saxons no merlin no merlin which makes me sad Sticking with King Arthur, the next question we asked was, did King Arthur and his knights find the Holy Grail? And 90% of you quite sensibly said no. I mean, I'm pretty sure if, you know, they'd actually found it, there'd be more evidence of it, I guess. Yeah, it kind of got added into the Arthurian stories later, though, didn't it? It wasn't 
necessarily something he was looking for. He was too busy fighting the Saxons. Yeah, on his throne with his magic sword. <laughs> and his wife, who was secretly sleeping with one of his knights. Naughty, naughty. I find it odd that, um, not odd, it's interesting that the kind of the grill is kind of like an add on to Arthur's story. It's not, it's not as interwoven as like Excalibur, the thing that like pop culture itself like clings to. I guess it had its day though, didn't it? Like everything. Yeah. Like, so in the medieval period, Arthur and the Grail was really popular and then it became Arthur and Excalibur and that's I guess continued yeah so it's like everything it kind of rises and falls and yeah although we did discuss the fact that some people did think that the Grail was a sword so I guess it was kind of see that connection there I'm not quite sure why a sword would be a Grail like in my brain I can't understand how a weapon of violence is associated with a person of peace, if we believe the Bible, is what I'm saying. Lopping off the heads of the non-believers? You had to go dark, didn't you? It hasn't been dark enough. <laughs> what, really? All those heretics being burned alive and it wasn't dark enough for you? Exactly. <laughs> this is the first podcast we've done that I've not needed a therapy duck? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> There's still time. That felt vaguely threatening, not mm-hmm. going to lie. So another one of the questions that we asked was if you thought that the Knights Templar protected the Holy Grail. And again, about 80% of people said no to this one as well. I'm quite surprised by that. I was quite surprised by that as well. I mean, I guess it makes sense. The Templars were fighting the Crusades and setting up a banking system. Mm-hmm. Doing that. They really have time. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's that kind of thing again, like with the whole bloodline, that it's been like so pushed on us that that was their job to protect the Grail. Yeah. That maybe it's that same kind of thing where people start to believe it because it's just been pushed there so much in the pop culture aspect of it. Yeah, I can see that. We are kind. Of, we have kind of been saturated with Templar. TV shows, movies, games, books, books, and all of them somewhere along the line seem to connect back to the Holy Grail. But mm. if you just look at the historical sources and you read it as a history, the Grail's kind of a footnote. It's not. Yeah. It's not mentioned in serious histories. No. Plus, if they did, and they were you know keeping it a bit hush hush. I don't think they were writing it down and just letting everyone find it. Exactly. If the if the Templars were protecting the Grail as a secret society, they did a pretty good job of it. Unlike the Priory of Sion, an actual secret society that left a document trail. That's just not how you do secret societies. <laughs> See, the trouble is, most secret societies were founded by men. That's why they go wrong. Mm. If a woman founded a secret society, you would never know about it. No. Do you know what it is? It's because they can't remember things, so they have to write it down. <laughs> they have to tell their wives. Yeah. Could you remind me that I've got to pop out tomorrow night and sacrifice a goat at my secret society? On the shopping list, next to bread and milk, I also need the goat. Like, what goat? Well, a live goat would be best. <laughs> I like a goat. goats. <laughs> One goat and two roosters, please. 
And while we're at it, could you wash and uh, iron my ceremonial robes? You told me they weren't ceremonial. I'm telling you now that they are, and tomorrow they are not ceremonial. Tomorrow, See, in my head, I'm picturing, um, have you watched Arthur Christmas? No. Okay, so in that, Miss, Mrs. Claus just kind of takes it all in her stride, setting up Santa and sorting out all these bits and bobs. Mm. And that's just kind of what I'm imagining in my, in my head, this wife just being completely unfazed by the fact she's ironing her husband's ceremonial robes. Or someone I, drags a goat through the kitchen. Whereas a woman would just be like, what are you doing tonight? Nothing. Are you mad? No. You look mad. I'm not mad. Slightly more passive aggressive about things. Although if oh I goodness. put like my ceremonial robes in the bottom of my bag, I would never find them. Same. Or something would spill on them. Yeah. You rock up to the meeting and they're like, oh, bit of blood already on you. And you're like, nope, black current. And then pull out like the thing that you've spilled, like, fuck. I mean, considering we, well, we, I, somehow managed to knock tea over two laptops, two phones. I was impressed with that, to be fair. Yeah. I've never known that much tea come out of one cup. But I'd be terrible. Like, if I had to carry the chalice of, like, sacred liquid up to the altar, it'd be like, oh. I tripped over my robes. And could we blow out some of these candles? It's steaming my glasses up. It's a fire hazard, people. Fire hazard. We're anyway, way off topic. Our last question, which was, ironically, the first question we asked mm. was, what was the best Grail movie? And somehow Indiana Jones beat out Monty Python, but but only just. I think it was like by like what one or two votes. I bet those people smell of elderberries. And their mothers were a hamster. Oh, I love both of them so much. Yeah, double feature. Definitely. I mean, you watch Indiana Jones, you want to watch some Nazis been punched. And you watch Monty Python if you need that comic relief. What are you talking about? Monty Python is a serious intellectual film. I mean, I know it's comedy, but they do actually like touch on quite a lot of like popular arguments of the day about like sovereignty and you know government it's just subliminal. it's just subliminal which i think makes it all the more amazing it's funny how when we asked about grail movies nobody mentioned da vinci code we had no one say i really like the da vinci code i think it's just been kind of jammed down your throat a bit it's one of those films that like i can watch and do other things whilst I'm watching it because it doesn't take a lot to keep up with it. True. So obviously I, I did all of the research for this while you watched I'm joking. Obviously I did uh, a little bit more of the academic research for this than you. Mm-hmm. What do you think the grail is? I really want to believe that it's his bloodline but that's just the drama I really really want to believe that but I don't know I kind of I understand the cap completely understand it but don't think that people would have had presence of mind to collect the crockery to know exactly which one he had do you know what I mean like I think I don't know I just think I don't think it's something that he drank from at the Last Supper. I don't think people would have had 
the thought process to, oh, let's quickly collect his cups. Maybe something that, yeah, maybe they did, I don't know, put ointment in to like prepare his body or maybe put some blood in it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think if it is a cup, uh, an ointment jar is more likely. Yeah, so maybe a bowl rather than a yeah. cup. I know we've looked at a few possibles, but um, I find the one at Valencia in Spain is quite, that's quite an interesting. Yeah. I don't think out of all of them, I kind of think that maybe that is maybe the most likely. I, I don't know. I just kind of like the idea that it wasn't created to be this amazing looking thing it was something really simple that then they added to because you wouldn't add to something unless you thought it was valuable i I tend to think if it was the grail or they believed it to be the grail i think they would have made more of a big deal of it because pilgrimage is still a big thing yeah it takes thousands to run a cathedral every day and so you need tourism and pilgrims it, as much today as you did in the middle ages to keep your cathedral or your basilica open and running probably need more money now actually when you think yeah. of things like the heating and whatnot which is so i tend to think as they haven't made a big deal of it but then i kind of wonder if they made a big deal of it surely the Vatican would have taken it straight away. Whereas they didn't make a big deal out of it. They've let other people kind of whisper about it. And it still brings in people who believe that it is the grail, but they've not outright said that it is. So they're kind of like off the hook a little bit on that and they get to keep it. I mean, that's the most devious plan that I could think of and you came up with it in a few seconds mm-hmm. which scares me slightly I'm not gonna lie but also it would work would it though you forget that we would approach it differently to people who are devout true but if people are going to believe that it's the grail they're not saying it is or it isn't yeah I think that's half the the fun maybe of it let people make up their own mind yeah it's definitely an interesting possibility yeah personally i don't think the grail's been found yet no i don't think it will ever be found not conclusively there's no way to conclusively find it or confirm you found it rather no i think that's the thing you will never be able to confirm it because there's always going to be someone that pulls it apart whether it's something that like the first one that we looked at that people were taking the bites out of you know uh, the, the nantos cup yeah. in wales yeah you know people believed that that was really healing people or healing them there's always going to be someone that doesn't believe in it and can pull it apart and you know quote placebo effect so i don't think you'll ever really be able to prove without a shadow of a doubt but that's what faith is i guess yeah Yeah, that's that's what i was gonna say that's where faith comes into it yeah 
What do you think about this theory that Joseph of Arimathea brought the Grail to Glastonbury and it's somewhere underground creating the white and the red springs from the sweat and blood vials? I'm not... The whole sweat thing freaks me out. Who's collecting sweat? I mean, I can kind of understand... And foreskin, so... True. But I can understand people keeping blood vials because... You know, people used to dab handkerchiefs in the blood of people that have been beheaded and make, you know, candles out of their fat and weird stuff like that. So that kind of makes sense. And we know for fact that people were collecting the blood and um, body parts of martyrs pretty much from the start of religion because we looked at that when we looked at um, saints' deaths. Yeah, exactly. So, like, the blood aspect of it can kind of, you know, can kind of see that. Yeah. The coming to Glastonbury, I don't really know. It seems like a strange place to just do the left to. Well, I don't think it was intentional. It's not like he popped it in his GPS and sailed away. Ye olde GPS. <laughs> Yeah, ye olde GPS. Um, I think the thing is, maybe I'm sceptical, because I've studied cathedrals and tourism quite a bit, like I, I, re- I get a bit sceptical because I know that they need these bones and these miracles mm-hmm. to draw in pilgrims. And Glastonbury, like I said, they, they found Arthur and Guinevere and they made a point of it, supposedly. So I, I kind of feel like... Glastonbury kind of has lied to me once. (laughs) So I'm a little bit more hesitant to believe their claims to fame. Yeah. I'm not a geologist, so I I don't know. I do think it's odd that nobody's found them. Because nowadays, you could send one of those tiny little cameras down into the ground, like really far down into the ground without too much of a headache. Yeah. But again, I guess it's faith that fills in the gaps for those that believe, isn't it? Yeah. So we're saying no to the sweat springs. Yeah, just grim. No to the Nantos cup. No. What about the Marian chalice, the so-called chalice of the Virgin Mary found by Graham Phillips? I really like that one. Don't know if I believe it, but I just really liked it as a as a story want to say well he's he's got the cup and the poem exists so i don't think he made it up do i think the the jar was used by mary magdalene maybe not that feels a bit too perfect to me mm. but maybe i'm just being a cynic maybe i just like that she's kind of got more of a story within it in that one in that example. Yeah, definitely. Also, we'd all love to solve our own grail quest. Oh, 100%. I don't think we will ever, ever solve it. I think it would no. be uh, expecting too much for us to come to a conclusion at the end of four nights. True. Okay, so what about the Leon supposed grail 
So this was the one the archaeologists in Lyon claimed oh, they found. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, more than likely, it probably does date to the right time period. Lots of them do. Well, um, experts conservatively believe that there are 200 cups in existence which date to the right time and place. But, I mean, if it's supposedly a cup that you'd be using while you, you know, eat your meal and then had your evening drink, then there'd be hundreds. So it wouldn't be that unusual to find one. So... I don't know. Again, seems a bit too perfect to find it. That's true. Okay, so what about René Le Chateau and the priest who supposedly found treasure, which some believe was actual physical treasure, mm. and others believe was proof of a bloodline, which he then blackmailed the Vatican with? I think the blackmail is a bit damn brown. Very brave. Mm, extremely brave. Um, I found it odd that he got his servant to like put things, like put things in his servant's name. That's very strange. I guess maybe that was, maybe that was to try and hide it from the church, which mm. makes more sense if you believe that he was selling masses. True. But like you said, if he found like Templar treasure, it was. That the reason that they went for the Templars in the first place was because it was easy, easy cash. Kind of to yeah. They had lot, you know, easy to get, easy to sell treasure. So if he stumbled upon kind of like a cache of Templar treasure, then you can kind of understand where the money came from. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that makes more sense to me. Yeah. Because the Templars or the Cathars, because the Cathars had connections with that region and they obviously also had money and treasure it's possible that that's what he discovered yeah but I, I tend to think he was maybe just a crook more than likely as much as I don't want to because like I said last night he had uh, station 14 of the cross painted in his church as showing a full moon and so station 14 is when they're taking Jesus down from the cross. And it was illegal for Jews to touch a dead body after sundown. It feels very deliberate and having, I mean, the church is dedicated to Mary Magdalene. So you would expect there to be some imagery of her, mm. but the, the two shoots coming from the tomb, it, it feels like that's where the grail should be. Yeah. also could be just for having a laugh at people it could well be red herrings so what about the templars i kind of think like we said earlier they were quite busy doing lots of other stuff to do with you know protecting pilgrims creating banking systems and they kind of had enough going for them already that the church would hate them or it wasn't so much the them. church it was the yeah, philip yeah so and amassing a lot of wealth so you can kind of understand why people would i don't know want to take them down and you know then take their money 
as for the holy grail i guess that would just be another thing as to why people would kind of go for them so i kind of feel like maybe they did know something but maybe it wasn't grail or jesus related it was just other secrets that they knew yeah, they definitely had a relationship with the cathars they obviously refused to take part in the crusade against them sometimes i wonder if they just know that that was wrong but then the templars have also been plagued with this idea that they had heretical ideas mm. so maybe they just they realized that it wouldn't take much for them to be next yeah i don't know we know a lot more about them than we don't know unlike the grail yeah we know very much did it even exist in the first place or is it just this idea that we've been sold i feel like it's just an idea in all honesty i'd love for it to be a real thing but i just think it's an idea mm. yeah i have to agree and that's why no one's ever found it i think that's the thing faith plays a big part in what you believe mm. so for me i need proof to believe it you know it's that thing of seeing is believing yeah and maybe that's why i can't see it because i don't believe in it kind of to pull in a bit of indiana jones like that whole leap of faith yeah that he has to do to get to the grail I don't know. But, even, but even then he sprinkles dirt before he steps so well, that's just because he's a smart man. Mm-hmm. But that seems believing. I think my favourite part from researching this is that definitely f- sort of fallen a bit more in love with studying Mary Magdalene. There's so much more to that story. Yeah. So I think that's my biggest takeaway from this, that we know women are written out of history. And I think Mary Magdalene might be the biggest victim of that. Hundred percent. Not only was she written out, she was kind of slandered. Well, not only kind of, she was slandered as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I also think that people say about this bloodline between Mary and and Jesus, and then being married, and it's it scares me slightly that uh, the idea of a woman having some kind of power in the early church is enough to make people lose their minds. I know. Especially when you consider that so many pagan religions, women were top, top dog within them, just because of this whole fact that, you know, a woman creates life from her own body. And that was revered by, you know, the ancients. As it should be. It seems that when we get towards more new religion, it wasn't the case, but I don't know if there's any proof in the Bible or in the Jesus part of the Bible to say that women aren't as good. The trouble is the Bible we have has been so revised and edited by men Mm. that it's impossible to know yeah so thank you 
so much for joining us on our grail quest and we really hope that you enjoyed it's a little bit different to what we normally do and we'd love to hear your thoughts on what the grail is maybe where it is if it is this year has been a difficult year for everyone and we try to put out lots of content to cheer you up and to make you think and we're not slowing down next year we have a women, of, a women of Star Wars podcast, unsurprisingly. A brand new podcast which takes a deep dive into comic book characters, starting with Harlequin, and that will debut in February. We also have posts coming about women in sports and women in politics. Not at the same time, obviously. We have patron exclusives coming on The Wives of Henry VIII and The Women of the Tower of London. Should be fun. All of the beheadings. Yeah. So many puns. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. And of course, that's just what we've planned. We want to hear from you. We'd like to know what you would like us to look at. So if you have an idea or a topic you think we should tackle, let us know via the comment section of our website or on social media. Now, the only way that we can do so much is to do the support of our patrons. And you can sign up to be a patron for as little as a pound a month. Now, our patrons receive early access and ad-free podcasts, um, exclusive podcasts that we don't pop out to general release, as well as voting rights on future podcast topics. Now, we understand that not everyone can afford to support us, so there are other ways that you can support us. You could share and like our posts on social media. You can leave reviews on our podcasts. And you can also share our podcast with others that you think might enjoy it. As much as we appreciate our patron support and need it to survive, we do understand that not everybody can afford it. So if something comes up on our patron that you are particularly interested in or would like access to because you're studying it, just get in touch via our website and we'll do our best to make it accessible to you. So all that remains is for us to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And as always, take care of yourselves and each other.